Stay tuned after the show for a message from Chevron. This is Politico Energy. I'm Annie Snyder. Hurricane Ida, one week later, has left Louisiana in a debilitating state. It killed at least 65 people, 16 along the Gulf Coast, and 49 in the Northeast, including 27 in New Jersey. Earlier estimates put the storm's damages at over $100 billion. While millions of people across the country are dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Ida, Washington is debating how to protect communities from future disasters. At the center of that debate is the bipartisan infrastructure package. That package includes billions of dollars in proposals aimed at building resilience against future storms like Ida. Proponents say the hurricane is just the latest example of why it's essential for Congress to pass it. But they face two key obstacles. On one hand, many House Republicans, including those in districts devastated by the hurricane, say that the Senate's bipartisan infrastructure bill is overkill. At the same time, progressive Democrats aren't pushing to pass the infrastructure bill quickly either. First, they want to make sure that the Senate will pass a separate $3.5 trillion bill that includes measures aimed at addressing the root causes of climate change. If you're really not going to address the root of the problems, then you're going to have to continue to build these projects higher and reevaluate them and spend more money. Today, Politico Zach Coleman on the impact of Hurricane Ida and the push to fund infrastructure projects to respond to climate change. So, Zach, Hurricane Ida posed a big test for some of the coastal protection systems that were put in place after Hurricane Katrina. How did we see them fare? So they fared pretty well. There was $14.5 billion spent on these coastal barriers and defenses after Katrina. So when I talked to a couple of experts, they said, yeah, I mean, they performed well, but for $14.5 billion, you would hope they did. And this is the issue here. It was $14.5 billion that was appropriated largely by Congress. And right now we have $46 billion sitting in legislative text in the bipartisan Senate infrastructure bill that will be voted on in the House by September 27th. And it would fund a lot of other projects that could yield these sort of results too, which was essentially keeping the keeping the hurricane from being worse than it could have been in terms of its impact on the land. So climate change has come up a lot when it comes to Hurricane Ida. What Remind us, what do we know about what scientists say about the role that climate change plays when it comes to hurricanes? And do we know yet if, if it was a factor with Ida? So hurricanes are not going to happen more frequently necessarily with climate change. That is very uncertain. But what we are more certain about is that when hurricanes do form, that they're going to be stronger and more intense. It's, it's obviously too early to tell exactly what you know, contributed to this storm. But based on the signs that we have, you know, I think that most scientists would confidently say that the warmer temperatures that are fed by climate change in the Gulf would have contributed to a rapidly intensifying storm like the one we saw with Ida and like those that are predicted in the future with climate change. So when President Biden spoke last week at a press conference about the federal government's hurricane response, he did explicitly point to climate change, and he called on Congress to pass infrastructure legislation that includes climate resilience programs. So as you've noted, there there is legislation out there. We've actually got two bills, right, when it comes to infrastructure right now. We've got the Senate's $1 trillion bipartisan bill and the much larger Democrats-only reconciliation bill that's still coming together. Walk us through in some detail what's in each of those measures when it comes to this kind of climate resilience work? 
So it's interesting because there's kind of a, an agreement between Congress and the Biden administration to not double dip, as it were. So if there's funding in one bill, then there shouldn't be that same kind of programmatic funding in the other bill. So when you look at resilience, most of that is going to be in the Senate bipartisan infrastructure plan. It's things like coastal restoration and levees and ecosystem restoration, rebuilding coastal forests, marshlands, wetlands. So what you're going to see more with the reconciliation bill, the three and a half trillion dollar likely Democrat only plan is more on the mitigation side, mitigation of emissions, which would mean reduction of emissions. We don't want the stuff to be combusted. So you're talking about you know, more spending for electric vehicles and for uh, different type of uh, energy sources, you know, electric batteries uh, for power storage, that type of thing. So uh, you're not going to see as much on resilience there as you would in the uh, Senate bipartisan plan. So does your reporting suggest that Hurricane Ida coming now as, as Congress is right in the middle of considering both of these bills? Has Hurricane Ida changed the political calculus on either of those? So far, I think a lot of people are trying to not politicize this event. But from the people I did talk to, there's certainly an understanding that the types of projects that are in the Senate bipartisan infrastructure plan would help. But, you know, it's it's like, there's two sides to this coin. And if you're really not going to address the root of the problem, which is greenhouse gas emissions, then you're going to have to continue to build these projects higher and reevaluate them and spend more money. Whereas if you do both, you know, in decades time, maybe you're not having to build these defenses up again and again and again, because climate change is going to keep happening if we keep emitting and the effects are going to get worse. So for those who want to uh, really address the root of the problem, that is more likely to come through the reconciliation bill than the infrastructure bill. Zach, thanks for chatting with us about all of this. Thanks for having me. Also, climate talks between China and the United States ended last week the same way that they often do, without a deal. The three-day meeting between the world's two largest greenhouse gas emitters was seen as a critical stepping stone ahead of the major UN climate summit that begins in November. The U.S. had pushed China to make concessions on the financing of coal and to speed up efforts to hold warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. But a readout from the Chinese Ministry of Ecology and Environment said it would only agree to continue the dialogue. For context, the U.S. and China went into the talks last week arguing over the role of climate change in their diplomatic relationship. That relationship has been strained because of trade disputes and China's alleged human rights abuses. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com backslash morning energy. If you like our show, then like it. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Snyder. Thanks, and talk to you again tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future.